Let me begin in prayer as we come to hear God's word. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for this evening. We come to praise you. We come to reflect on your word. And so, Lord, we pray. May you soften our hearts to hear your word. May you help me to preach your word clearly and boldly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, sit back and watch the video. Well, if you know this, means you listen to Spotify. Every November, they give you a wrap-up of the year, telling you what have you been listening to for the rest, for the, the whole of the year. So you can see some of the music that was played. You realize I'm quite biased towards a certain group of singers, right? But this is what it is, isn't it? We have all this wrapping up for the year, reflection for the year, and I guess these two days, if you check your email, you will see emails coming through that say 10 stories for the year, key highlights for 2023. And just recently, I got a, just yesterday, I got an email from Straits Times, and the title is 2023 in 10 stories. So what is your highlight? What is the highlight for you in 2023? What is... What are your five stories? What are your ten stories? So for me, my five stories are this. My time in Israel, a deep sense of God making the trip possible in light of the escalating violence that happened after I came back from Israel. The next highlight was really the resumption of the combined enrollment ceremony of six BBGB companies. We have not been able to do that because of COVID for a good three years. And it was so beautiful to see everybody coming together once again to celebrate enrollment. Sad news, the news of potentially losing a family member due to an accident was really the highlight in the middle of the year. And as the year progresses, I was thankful that for the first time I could go on a conference with Ching 
together with some good friends and we both sit together and sit under God's word and be taught by God's word. Lastly, my last story just happened not too long ago. The hearing, the joy of hearing the good news about someone saying yes to Jesus just before he passed on. And why it was such a good news to me? Because two weeks before him passing, him saying yes and him passing away, me and another fellow pastor had a chance to sit in his dining room or in his living room and share the gospel with him. So that was my five stories. What's yours? And I think it's a very healthy practice to take stock of our lives and asking God to help us to take snapshots of our lives as the year passes on. If not, it's very easy to forget. If I ask you what really happened between 2020 and 22, I think we all be like a blurb. What would God's 2023 wrap up for you, for me, look like? So looking back, looking back is also for us to look forward. So after I watched my Spotify wrap up, one thing I told Cheng was, I think I need to expand my repertoire of music that I'm listening to. Maybe a little bit more classic, a bit more other things, and just enjoying other music, jazz maybe. And so in my Bible reading, as I reflect on the year, two areas really stood up to me, and I want to share with them, share them with you today, so that you can too be encouraged by God's Word. These two areas, these two aspects, were spoken both by Jesus at the end of his life on earth. First, it's taken from John chapter 13, verse 34, 35, where Jesus called his remaining 11 disciples to love one another before he went to the cross. The second one is in Matthew 28, 18, 20, uh, not yet, slides, where Jesus gave them the task of making disciples and teaching them to obey all that he has taught them before his final ascension to heaven. So let's look at the first one, John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I gave to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, but you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, the context leading up to this commandment, to love, is Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Judas betraying Jesus. And beyond this point is the cross. Jesus was also looking forward towards the cross. Of course, the disciples were unaware of the cross at a point in time. See, the section begins with Jesus and the twelve observing Passover together. And during Jesus' time, they mainly wore sandals and their feet are exposed to the dust, the dirt of their path. And in an average household, there will be servants to wash the feet of those entering the house, or at least if it's in the context of a rabbi and student, the students will be the one washing the feet. Jesus is a rabbi to the twelve, but however, as they all enter into their house, none of them seems demit fit to wash their master feet, and definitely none of them think that they should be washing the feet of the eleven. 
So everyone enter, sat down by the table with their dirty feet and waited. I'm not sure whether you, have you had 20 boys or young men in your house with their shoe off before? Or oh, I have because I wore a BBGB, right? So there was once I invited my officers and my junior officers to my place for, a, for dinner. They came after a parade, which is a bad decision to make. Not after parade, but they came after parade. They came into the house. They took off their shoes in my house. And then they sat around the table. And my wife came in and said, What is that smell? What is that smell? It smells bad. Definitely not my food. So she went and took, you know, the air purifier thing, the one that goes through around and around and around. She dropped many drops of uh, essential oil and then placed it there. And the smell is still there. Then she told me, can you bring out the air purifier? I said, okay, okay. And the smell is still there. But it's okay. We enjoyed dinner that night. And I don't know. I'm not sure. I wasn't there, but I'm not sure. As they all sat, the 13 of them sat around the table. Was there a stench? It's definitely dirty. But Jesus, their master, took on the role of a humble servant, stooped down and washed the feet of the twelve, including Judas, whom he knew would betray him. This is how Jesus demonstrates practically what love is all about. He loved the twelve, and he showed them in a very practical way. He loved and he served his disciple unconditionally. Of course, the act of foot washing will not be the ultimate expression of his love. You know and we know that the ultimate expression of Jesus' love was him going to the cross. Going to the cross for a world who rejected him. His death on the cross is to take away the sin of the world so that they can love. So as Jesus washes his disciples' feet, he called them to murder him to do likewise. And that's, we can read in John 13, 13. You call me teacher and Lord, you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. All this will only become crystal clear to the disciple post-ascension. But Jesus knew that he will no longer be with them. Jesus knew the heart of humanity, that loving another person unconditionally is one of the areas that sin has destroyed. Left to ourselves, we are not able to love others unconditionally. We are incapable of loving without expecting a response to our love. But Jesus showed us what it means to love unconditionally. See, the commandment given in, in John 13, 34 and 35 is sandwiched between two acts of love, the washing of feet 
and Jesus' death on the cross. But it's interesting that Jesus called a commandment a new commandment. But we all know, isn't it, that it's not new because it goes all the way back in the Old Testament that God has already beginning to love His people. And the very first act of love is when Adam and Eve turned their back to Him, what did Jesus did in, or what did God did in chapter Genesis 3, 20 and 21? God clothed them. God clothed them in an act of love. So this commandment to love is not new. But the newness of this commandment is pivotal to the new commandment that our Lord Jesus will establish through his death and his resurrection. The newness to be tied to the new, redeemed life, anchored on the redemptive work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, enabled by the Holy Spirit. See, the cross overshadowed all acts of love. The cross is a benchmark for that newly redeemed community of Jesus' disciples, a call for them, this, them who are in this new community, to love one another make possible through the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle John wrote this in his letter that aptly reflect Jesus' new commandment to love. In 1 John 4, 7 to 12, let's read together. 1, 2, 3. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God, and knows God. For anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God has made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Next slides. Together. In this is, in this, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loves us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. God first loved His disciples. As one who is dearly loved, then we are to exhibit love readily. And Jesus says that by our love for one another, all people will know that we are God's disciple if we love one another. And so even in this love, right, has this evangelistic nature, evangelistic age to it, that when people look in a community, look at Christians, and they see love, because it's different from the community outside of one who believe. Because like I say earlier on, isn't it? Left to ourselves, we will not really fully love unconditionally. But in Christ, you and I is able to love. And it's that love, that yearn, that people are yearning for, and it's that love that draws them to see and to ask what is about this love that is so different from the world. 
And that is what draws them to Christ. So loving one another, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, must be the mark of Jesus' disciple. It must be the mark of the church. It must be the mark of every Christian community. I'm so thankful to experience the love here in ARPC. And over the years, I can say on behalf of my fellow pastors and leaders that we have experienced numerous occasions of love. As a community in Christ, we have shown love in different ways to different groups of people. Pastor Lao Yong and the team had continually love and care for the foreign workers in our midst in the dorm that we adopted. During COVID, it was a big thing. Now that COVID is over, things seem to die down. But we are thankful that the team keep reaching out to the foreign workers in our midst, loving them, caring for them. The next highlight is really Let's Carnival, isn't it? So those of us who have been involved in Let's Carnival, we know. And to me, the highlight is really the church as a whole coming together to serve, not to serve us, not to serve ourselves, but to serve the community and to shine for Jesus in the community. Our weekly DG Psalm duties, which all of you have been part of, is an expression of love that we express to serve one another in church, out of love for one another. So for those who miss that song duty, who because you are not in a DG, I encourage you to be part of a DG so that you can serve. And I always really enjoy serving alongside those who are serving Monday. No matter where they are coming from, no matter what kind of job they hold outside of church, they serve. Opening doors, making Milo, cleaning, mopping the floor. And I get this just expression of our love for one another. Our expression of obeying God's commandment to love. If you put your ears to the ground, you also will hear stories of how different folks in our midst show love during service. Sitting with someone who seems different from us, going the extra mile to care for someone battling terminal illness, or someone who is experiencing the, love, the loss of a loved one. So indeed, I thank God for each one of you. However, just as the Apostle Paul urged the church to do to abound more and more in their love, I want to urge you to abound more and more in our love for God and for each other. So for those on the DG, I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you in 2024 to seriously think about being part of a discipleship group. Because it's in the discipleship group that you truly experience love in small ways and big ways. It's in the discipleship group that you can experience and you can share and show love to those in a group. And for those of us in a DG, in the Bible Discipleship Group, we know that sometimes there are just some in our DG that are a bit hard to love. I hear some kind of laughter. I think you agree with me. So I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to take on the example of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Hard it may be, we pray and ask God to help us to love. 
And as we love, be as a church, as a discipleship group, I pray and we pray that when people come and see and visit us, they will look at us and say, they love, they must be Christians. So how will the new commandment look like in your family, look like in your life, and look like in your discipleship group in 2024? And 2024 also brings us new opportunity to love. Our new premise in Tengah is taking shape. And very soon, we will be in the midst of a new group of people to love. Some of our folks among us have already, has already been going out to bless them through carols, through cookies. So two week, last week, I managed to go down on site to visit the work, to, to visit the site. And I stood on the roof and I look back, the block that is nearest to us is nearer than Adam Park that is to us. And that is how near that block is to us. I asked the engineer, have we gotten complaints because we are quite noisy, right? And he said, yeah, yeah, quite a number of complaints. We will be neighbour with them. So I asked myself as I stood there, as they endure the one and a half years, two years of piling, noise, dust, when it is ready, can they experience love that overflow from our hearts? It's not just a building. It'll be a church of God's people expressing, showing love to the neighbourhood. Isn't that exciting? And that is, I think that's where we are, that God has placed before us a potential opportunity to love. So as we ready ourselves to go, you'll hear more of it next year. I pray that you will, will prayerfully pray for the people surrounding our new premise in Tengah and asking how can we as a church be a blessing to them. How can they look at us and say, this is truly Jesus' disciples? And as we move on to, from love, we move on to discipleship. And that's what Matthew 28, 16 to 20 comes in, isn't it? Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus has directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. So what is happening here? The words that were spoken to the disciple after Jesus' death on the cross, the disciple saw his death. The disciple saw him being brought down from the cross, dead, moved to a tomb. But then they heard on the third day, some of the woman folks came running to them and tell them that the tomb is empty. They could not find Jesus in the tomb. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary met the resurrected Jesus and the resurrected Jesus told them, tell my disciple to come and meet me in Galilee. So the disciple went, the 11 of them went and met Jesus at Galilee. But it's interesting that Matthew recorded then that he could just stop that, he could, not, he could just omit that few words there. 
that some doubted. It was just enough for them to say they worship him. So I reflected that for a while as I reread this passage again in preparation for the sermon. I asked myself, how could they doubt? But yet I was so assured by Jesus' response to them out of love. He did not chastise them for their doubt, but he continued to love them. And so that assures me that we doubt. We do have doubt in our lives. We do have doubts in our hearts. But the key is not to walk away. But the key is to continue to seek Jesus. And we know that God, out of his love for us, will continue to reveal himself to us to dispel the doubt that's in our hearts. Jesus knows their doubts. Jesus knows that when the time comes, all this will become clear to them. And Jesus gave that final command to, to them. And the final command comes in four parts. Right? The first part is a declaration of Jesus' authority. You say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What is Jesus declaring here? Jesus will be sending them out to the world to proclaim the good news. And they'll be asking, right, by what authority are we going out to proclaim the good news to a very hostile world? How hostile? Well, they have just killed their Lord Jesus. That's how hostile the world is towards Christ. What banner, what flag are they flying as they go out and proclaim the good news? What authority does Jesus hold? Over the course of their time that they spend with Jesus, they witness Jesus' authority over sickness, over demons, authority to judge, authority to forgive sin, but the ultimate authority that Jesus has is his authority over death. That death has no hold on our Lord Jesus. He died and he rose to life. And he stands before his disciples alive. No one, no one has defeated death. Only our Lord Jesus. And therefore, he has the authority to give life. And it's in this authority that the disciples will go out and do likewise. They are going to fly the, kite, the, the, the flag of the almighty creator God. They are going to go under the command of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And their commission is to go. Go, therefore. And the call was made, yes, to the first eleven, but the later part of the commission, it will cover all disciples. And what are they going to go to do? The next portion, the next part there, their purpose or their goal is to make disciples of all nations. They are Jesus' disciples, they have witnessed how Jesus discipled them, and they are going to follow in Jesus' footsteps. But their scope will be far wider 
than just the Jews. They will be reaching out to the Gentiles, to the nations. But this has always been God's salvation plan, that God had always chosen Israel to be a light to the nations. But Israel has failed to be a light to the nation. With this new authority in Christ, with this new commandment to love, His death and His resurrection, they can now go forth to fulfill God's salvation plan to reach the world for Him. The part four is the means, and the means is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Let us look at verse 20 first before I unpack. So it's correct to say that the initial command was given to the eleven. But in verse 20, one of the means of making disciples is to teach them to obey. Well, ESV translated as observe, NIV translated the Greek word as obey. They are to teach all disciples to obey everything that God has commanded them. And that will increase the new commandment to love and this commandment to make disciples. So now you see, that although the command was given initially to the 11, it has expanded to anybody, any one of us, who call ourselves a disciple of Jesus. And so that is what God is calling us to do. Make disciples, making them love each other, baptizing them, and calling them to obedience to Jesus. So we got this, I guess in our workplace, we got this KPI, isn't it? Okay? I, I recoined it and say, keep persevering in obedience. That's what we are. As God, as we look at what God has called us to do to make disciples, we are to keep persevering in our obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. We have explored at length what loving others means, loving others so that people will know that we are God's disciples. What about baptism? Jesus' last words to be baptized are for those of us who are maybe who are still thinking about baptism. What is really baptism about? It's not about saving us. It doesn't save us. We are saved by confessing our, by our, with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and by believing in our hearts that he is reason, but baptism is that public declaration of our faith, our surrendering of our life unto Jesus, calling our Lord Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And so I want to encourage you, if you have not been baptized, as you're thinking about being baptized, that may God's word in Matthew 28 encourage you and urge you to think seriously about making that public declaration that Jesus is your Lord. In order to obey, we must know what to obey. And Scripture is God's only way of revealing Himself to us, revealing His love for us, and revealing His commandment to us to obey. And therefore, we must read Scripture, and we must ask the Holy Spirit to reveal God's truth to us. 
Here in ARPC, we supplement our personal devotion, our daily reading through our weekly preaching and through our Bible study in our discipleship group. In our discipleship group, we make disciples through prayerfully spurring one another on to grow, spurring one another on to evangelize, and showing one another on to obey our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep persevering in obedience. And we need a community to help us do that. Left to ourselves, we will fail, and we will stop persevering in obedience. But in a community like a discipleship group, that's where we can spur one another on, torture one another on, to keep persevering in our obedience to God. So how can we spur one another on in 2024 to keep our KPI? Lastly, the promise, the promise that God has given, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God did not just give us a task and leave, to us, leave it to ourselves to fulfill the task of loving or making disciples because he knows that left to ourselves, we can't love. Left to ourselves, we can't make disciples. And God gave us the ways to do it, gave us the means to do it, and he also tells us that I am with you. I am with you. So we will never walk alone in our discipleship. When the going gets tough, Jesus is there for us, holding us. And beside Jesus, he gave us each other to spur one another on to run the race. We will never evangelize alone. Jesus has given us a message, the power, and the Holy Spirit to help us to proclaim the good news. And we will never love alone. Jesus has loved the person First, before he asked you and me to love this person that he put in our path. Think about that. That when someone comes into our path that is hard to love, tell yourself, God has loved him first. Because God has loved him. I, as God's disciple, as Jesus' disciple, can therefore love him or her. So let us abound more and more in persevering in our obedience, in our love for one another. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for your love for us. Help us, Lord, to go forth to love others. Help us, O oh Lord, to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that you have commanded us. Pray and ask all this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.